Greetings and welcome to the Hope Recovery Podcast, hosted by Greg Schmalhofer. The Hope Recovery Podcast is published every Monday to help you be successful in recovery and to grow in your faith as well. Hello and welcome to the Hope Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schmalhofer, and this is episode number 32. Thank you very much for joining me today on the Hope Recovery Podcast. The episode today is part two of the interview with Greg Kay. Part one of that interview was released last week. And in part one and two of this interview, Greg Kay shares much of his personal story and also many key insights and principles that helped him be successful in recovery. And perhaps these same principles that were significant for Greg Kay might also help you or a loved one also be successful in recovery. In the episode today, Greg Kay shares several dramatic statements regarding his recovery, such as the decision of faith changes everything and don't ever give up because it is better on the other side. And lastly, it is Greg Kay's prayer that this interview helps somebody else because that's what it's all about. Many thanks to Greg Kay for his willingness to be interviewed and for his desire to help others to also find success in recovery. Before we get to part two of the interview, let me quickly mention that the Hope Recovery Podcast does have a website. So for more faith-based recovery resources, For yourself, a recovery group, or a friend or loved one, please go to the website www.hoperecovery.us. There you'll find information on my faith-based recovery books and other resources. Also, if you would like to contact me for any reason, please feel free to send me an email to hoperecoveryus at gmail.com. I would be glad to talk with you regarding any aspect of faith-based recovery. And now, here's part two of the interview with Greg Kay. Let me back up, Greg, and ask you a little bit about your childhood. Okay. Okay. When you were growing up, were you were you raised in a Christian home? You had mentioned a little bit about alcohol in, in the house. Irish Catholic. My father didn't have any brothers or sisters, but my mother's family was huge. Um, always over-drinking always over partying seen a lot of things i probably shouldn't have seen Mm -hmm. uh done a lot of probably things i haven't shouldn't have done um not the way to you really want to be raised okay uh my sister and i kind of raised ourselves throughout a lot of it until my mother really quit drinking my father was never home during a lot of that so your mother quit drinking she quit and would she have considered herself an alcoholic? She'd never say that. No way. No. Uh-uh. She could point an alcoholic out for you a mile okay. away, but... But at some point, she determined herself to stop drinking. Well, she, she hadn't worked in a really long time, and then, you know, we were we were poor. She decided she was going to go back to work, Okay. and she quit drinking. My mother was a tough lady. She died too young. Okay. But, um... Yeah, she went back to work and licked the booze and always warned me about it. Never paid any attention to it. She um, did warn you about it, though. That that gene ran wild in our in our family. Oh, really? Okay. And um, So I, that was the warning, that it's in the family. Oh, absolutely. 
Iris blew it off. You know, it's not going to happen to me. Okay. So let me ask you this, Greg, then. So when did you start drinking? I would say uh, when I first got to college, I was still playing ball a lot. So I didn't really want to drink. So you were playing baseball. Correct. Okay. I didn't really want to fall into that. But you're talking to a guy who I went to an all-boys high school. When I went to the college I went to, 19,000 people. I was playing ball. I was working on campus. Mm -hmm. I was taking a full load of, of, of classes. Yeah, drinking became pretty. So drinking started, for the most part, really in college. Heavy drinking. High, high school or in your teen years and younger, not really. A, no, I mean, a I drank. I mean, I drank when I was very young, but, you know, one or two drinks here or there at a party. Okay. But so let me ask you this, Greg, then at what point then did you first sort of acknowledge to yourself that you had a drinking problem? I totaled my first car. I tried to run over a fire hydrant, not purposely. I was drunk out of my mind, and uh, my family sat me down and mm-hmm. was like, "What's going on with you?" and and I swore I swore it off then, but in the back of my mind, I'm saying, you know, I kind of want to still do it, and I did. And so that that incident happened while you were in college. That happened, yeah, when I was seventeen. So, do you remember, Greg, when you first said the words? that I'm an alcoholic. I don't think I even said that until I was well into my 30s. So all through your 20s? It was just one party after another. I mean, even realizing that people were, didn't want to hang out with me anymore, that it wasn't really, you know, cool to drink on a Sunday morning or uh, go out on a Monday night or um, miss work as much as I did. Or, you know, you realize that, okay, I'm doing this too much, but I don't have a problem. So through your 20s, though, looking back, you would say that in your 20s, you had a drinking problem. Oh, my goodness, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and and you didn't actually get to the point until you were in your 30s when you actually said the words, I'm an alcoholic. Oh, I'm a, yeah, I'm a raging alcoholic, yeah. Can you remember that first time when you said that, Greg? I was after my first seizure. I remember trying to white knuckle it through uh, not drinking. You were at home. You're at, at home, and I uh, was on my couch. All of a sudden, I woke up. Had no idea where I was, what was going on, nothing. And it took me several hours to realize what had happened. And I said, "Man, I this is this is dangerous. Yeah. This." has to stop and then realizing that when it came calling that it it owned me when it did i i just didn't have a defense you know like well i'll just drink today or tomorrow but that's not how i run yeah if i start drinking i don't stop (laughs) so you you said those words to yourself that you were an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and then at some point then you you, you realize, well, you need to stop. And did you try to stop at that point? Yeah, I think I went a few, maybe even six months. I don't know what set me off that time, but I thought I had had it licked. You know, if I can go this long, parties and everything like that. And then once I started drinking heavy again, I was petrified to stop. 
you know, to have another seizure. And, you know, that's so dangerous. And it that just became a way of life for me. So let me ask you this, Greg, and, and thank you for all that you're sharing. Sure. At what point did you start going to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings? Well, I had a, um, a seizure at home where I cracked my face open. I had, uh, my face was a mess. I hit a glass table, called a ambulance. They said instead of, they patched me up and they said, you know, instead of taking to the hospital, would you want to go to rehab? And I said, you know, maybe it's time to try. And so they took me to White Deer Run in Lancaster. And I stayed there for 33 days. I tried to get out after 14 saying I didn't need this anymore, still having no idea anything about my disease, what I was up against, and I relapsed right after getting out. That was just a precursor for everything else that was to come. Yeah. So at that point, did you you started going to AA meetings? Yeah, on and off I did. On and off. And uh, the 11-step DR, a lot of ones near me. That became that became the way I did things, and I was happy doing that. But for a lot of alcoholics and addicts, for me, a lot of times boredom. Life was too mundane. Having a decent job, going to work, coming home, wasn't enough. I needed something. I didn't have God. I was by myself at that time. So would you say that, in a sense, God was the missing ingredients, the missing component. Absolutely. I mean, I I'd forced myself to be sober just to prove to myself I could do it. And then coming up on anniversaries, you know, six months, nine months and saying, mm-hmm. what am I doing this for? I don't have anything anyway. Like no faith, no, you know, no nothing. Like it's empty. Like my, my sobriety is empty. And I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not drinking, but... What but else am I? But you're not happy. No. Or peaceful no. or joyful yeah, either. That, that void that, you know, all alcoholics or drug addicts try to fill right. with poison, you know, was simple enough that it's been there the whole time. I just couldn't put my finger on it or yeah. didn't believe it or didn't want to yeah. or or felt that I didn't deserve it. The uh, A hole that only God can fill. Absolutely. Yeah. That That is 100% true. I do not feel that way at all anymore. Yeah. And so really, as far as your recovery, that is the big difference. It is. God's in your life, and you you know that God is the true higher power, and whatever situation you're facing, God is powerful enough to to meet whatever needs or situation you might be facing. And to see, for me, to to sit back and see what God's done in other people's lives Mm -hmm. is very inspirational. Like, I would never have gotten through watching my father go down the way he did this past year and becoming just a shell of himself and begging not to go to hospitals or nursing homes and fighting constantly. It wasn't himself and praying every day, just taking my time with God. Because if I didn't, uh, Greg, I'd be drinking. I I would. It's the easy way out. I don't want that. (laughs) Well, and you mentioned about your dad and... Your dad passed away this past year the, during your your recovery. The day after Thanksgiving. The yeah. night, yeah, 9 o'clock on uh, the 25th. And so it's not been an easy year. No. But yet, with God in your life helping you, you were able to 
to be there to help your dad in his last days yep. and to care for him. And then once he, when he did pass away, to, to not turn to the bottle, to not drink, you were able to, to grieve properly, if you will, and, and to honor God even after your dad passed away. Yeah, that it, having that, having God in my life during that time, hard to explain that it kept me, God kept me within myself, level, yeah. peaceful, aware of what's going on around me, being patient, not panicking, mm-hmm. despite everything else that's going on. I mean, I can tell you this right now, and it might sound messed up. I really wouldn't trade this past year for anything yeah. because of the way I feel spiritually now, yeah. despite everything I've went through. It's put me in a place where I am prepared, and it's a good feeling. <laughs> Absolutely. And, you know, even though certainly there was the sadness with your dad passing, you had the blessing of being able to be with him and to care for him and for him to see you, you know, at one of your best points as far as sobriety. Yeah. And... I'm sure that gave him peace as well to see you like that. I think he, he, I don't know if it's true or not. I think at some point he probably said, hey, it looks like you finally got it right. Yeah. No matter what, he just keeps saying, just go to work, just go to work, just go to <laughs> All right. Well, Greg, if I may just ask a few more questions, By all if means. that's okay. So Alcoholics Anonymous, they talk about a higher power mm-hmm. and having a spiritual experience with God. Mm-hmm. And so it seems like... You know, AA does a wonderful job, really, of blending recovery and the importance of a relationship with God together. Uh, it, it does do a great job right. of that. It, it absolutely does, and it's—I know it's imperative for me yeah. to be involved with that, to be involved with that fellowship, to remind me yeah. what brought me here, to be able to—, to laugh and joke about with with other people about i can't believe i did that or this just people who share this a common bond yeah and uh, but at the end of the day they're they're all about i didn't drink today right that's a good day amen god woke me up he got me through this and he'll get me through tomorrow too so that's a huge part of of it and uh you know aa and and realizing that higher power that everybody there who's been successful yeah has you can't you can't beat that you know you can't yeah. trade it in for anything no <laughs> no it is it is absolutely true that there is a higher power and it is the the loving god of the bible who can help you then not only be successful in recovery but have a brand new life as well absolutely without a doubt without that for me nothing nothing happens and and greg you know as i look at your life this past year it's it's been a brand new life. I mean, it really has been a brand new life. It is, as long as you let it, if you embrace it for God. Like I, as frustrated and mad and everything I was, you just you something different and something so simple. Like, and it's funny because I couldn't get a book in jail when I was first there. Mm-hmm. I was really going crazy because I I had nothing to read. So they called me out of my cell to do. Uh, this was for the Vivitrol intake, mm-hmm. and they go over your medical history. And I'm sitting in this this office. It's this little mm-hmm. office where the guards are 
so there's this window in the back of the office and it's propped up mm-hmm. so you get some air in mm-hmm. and it's propped up with a really old almost torn to bits bible so the the woman's doing my intake and it's like 15 20 minutes and i she's like okay any questions i said yes i said do you need that mm-hmm. she said what i said that the bible mm-hmm. she said do you want it I said, I'd love to have it. Yeah. So she gave that to me. Isn't that something? I, I, I read it front and back a few times. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember everybody in every relapse I've had, like I could never understand how the Bible would relate to me. Mm-hmm. And it's full of all these wonderful stories and yeah. all this. And, you know, every relapse for the most part that I've had, I, somebody close to me would, would say, Greg, what, what, what's you, everything is going good? What set you off this time? Mm. And invariably, the answer would always come back: nothing. Nothing. Until I read, and I, I've said, I've shared this with you, Romans seven. From that point forward, like description of an. Addict. I don't know why I don't want to do these things. I hate them. Yeah. But uh, but I do them anyway, and yeah. and. I, that explained me to a T. Like I, yeah. I was like, and I just kept that. I read that so yeah. many times. Yeah, that that's just a interesting story. How I, <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and Romans, that chapter in Romans is a description of of an addict or people addicted to whatever bondage you know uh, that they're in. Right. And it's it's clear that God understands us. Absolutely. And, and the Bible does relate to us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, because I, when I read it, I said, "Man, he, it almost sounds like he's writing this about me." I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that that was, and I I, I always keep that that uh, that book close to me. So, do you still have that Bible? I wish I did. They okay. don't let you. Yeah, they you, didn't let you. You don't have that, that particular one. Okay. No, but that has a special place in Indeed. my heart, Greg. <laughs> so, Greg, let me let me just ask you this then. So, I know. Discovery recovery was a big part of your life. You were you were you being the boss over there. That the way you ran it, it made it made a di- it made a difference for me. The way it was run, uh, the people who were there, the whole format. Uh, Thursday nights were my highlight yeah. of my week. Well, thank you for that. And and discovery recovery, I mean, was was a big part of my life. But right. I, I know it was for you as well. And Greg, I remember you coming in to either Thursday night or Sunday, and I was always so glad to see you. And because I know from getting to know you from that point forward, you were really going through a tough time. Mm-hmm. And you were open and honest with me that, you know, you were in a, you were in a struggle and it, it was tough. So whenever you came, I was... So glad to see you, and that you kept trying, you know, that you did not stop trying. Yeah. And, and at one point then, you know, you reached out to God, and God answered your prayer. Absolutely, and, uh, you know, it was always good to see you there and uh, always uh, welcoming me, yeah. whereas, you know, uh, not not always the case with me. I as a, as an alcoholic, you burn so many bridges, yeah. and it it you, you can't say sorry to enough people who right. you know. I know I broke my mother's heart. My sister died of this disease, uh, pills and alcohol, and 
you know, just to see what it does to anybody, it, you just want to help somebody who, you know, is, is going through that. And God's that first, first barrier to cross. You accept that you have a lot of it beat. Once you feel that, it's not a feeling that's tantamount to that, to know, like, I'm not afraid of what's in front of me. So bringing God into your life, that decision of faith changes everything. It does. It changes everything. went from being scared of my own shadow to uh, the confidence it gave me. Like To I, know that God will help you. God's there for me. God will help like If you. God's there for me, I have yeah. whatever he puts in front of me, I will deal with. So, Greg, let me ask you this. So you are part of a brand-new faith-based recovery meeting. That, I am. That has just started, and... You have been there from the beginning, and the the new meeting is called Grace and Hope, and and I love that name. Me too. And so you've been there from the beginning. How do you feel, I guess, about being a part of Grace and Hope, this new this new meeting, which is a small meeting, but it is, I think, um, so it's good for me, and I think it's good for you. And it's great for me. So oh. c- can you talk a little bit about what it's like being part of really starting this brand new meeting, Grace and Hope. Well, I think if, uh, you know, anybody who hasn't gone is, you're missing something because the people who run it, you and, and Tim and Russ and Jerry and Jeff, the stories, the hope and belief and faith that you guys have, it emanates from you. It transmits to to me, I know it does, mm-hmm. just to listen to your perspective on God having faith in in things everybody has such a good outlook on it 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 makes you want to it makes you happy to listen to these things and whatever the message is that week or it always seems to hit a point where people can relate yeah and saying wow you know i i i can i can relate to this this yeah. this gives me cause for hope this uh this is a good thing that that's going on and addicts and uh, me being an alcoholic mm-hmm. we're skeptic of skeptical of everything and everybody yeah. that that's a tough hurdle for us to to overcome trust nobody yeah. trusts us yeah. you know so um being at that meeting you always like i can tell you personally i feel at ease i'm happy the people there are always look at only looking to help you, and everybody's got a good message. Well, it is you know for me it's exciting to be, to be a part of this new faith-based recovery meeting. Mm-hmm. It is great to have you being so instrumental and being key, being there every week to to help support and to help in whatever way. Absolutely. And um, I do love the name of Grace and Hope, which which was basically selected by the the pastor at Calvary Church, the, the care and counseling pastor. And grace and hope, because grace, it's because of God's grace that we are forgiven, that there, that we can have hope then, because God is, God is the true higher power. And mm-hmm. so there is grace and there is hope. There absolutely is hope. I went, I went from completely hopeless and so down on everything to just opening up letting it in and feel just feeling i like to smile when i was in jail to me yeah just because i knew something was there for me 
God was there for me. Like I'm, this is, this is not what He's got in store for me. This, this is, there's something bigger, and I can't wait to be a part of it. So, Greg, let me kind of uh, bring our time to a close here, and let me read just one quote from Alcoholics Anonymous, and have you respond to it then. Okay. And the quote is from pages 24 and 25, and it goes like this. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has placed, probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. And then later, so many want to stop, but cannot. There is a solution. And then still later, the central fact of our lives today is the absolute certainty that our Creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves. Any thoughts? That's, that's perfect because in my addiction, drinking, you can talk yourself into anything and make yourself believe it. The end of the day, it owns you, especially if you don't have, if you don't have anything intact with inside of you. Mm-hmm. For so many years, I was empty, but chasing my next drink or medicinally needing it, mm-hmm. becoming a way of life, and having nowhere to turn, that empty, scared, sad feeling envelops you. I know it did me. Yeah. And un- until I reached out, I just felt like this is just, I'm in this chasm that I'm never getting out of. It- it's torture. And then to be able to be saved like that. Amen. Is, it, to be saved. It's just different. I wish anybody, I, it's hard to explain it, but I know we're at a close here, but I, I did want to say something. Yeah. So I'm going to dedicate this to you and to Jerry Rogers. This is a, I don't know if you've ever heard it before, but it's kind of a recovery fable, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's this guy, and he's walking down the road, and he falls into a hole. Can't get out. He's sitting there, no way he can get out. Uh, suddenly, a priest comes by. He looks down, looks down into the hole. He says, what's going on? He says, hey, Father. He's like, I'm stuck down here in this hole. Can you help me out? Priest says a prayer over him, says, God bless you, my son, walks on. Little while later, a doctor comes by. Guy looks up. He says, "Hey, doc." He's like, "Hey, I'm stuck down in this hole. I'm not doing so well. Could you help me out?" He says, "Sure thing." He writes him a prescription, throws it in the hole, keeps walking on. <laughs> a little while later, a friend of his comes by. He says, "Hey, buddy." He's like, "I'm stuck down in this hole." He's like, "Can you help me out?" His friend jumps down in the hole with him. He says, "You fool." He says, "Now we're both stuck down here." He says, his friend turns to him and says, I know, but I've been down here before and I know the way out. Isn't that something? Yeah. I've been here before and I know the way out. And now you know the way out, Greg. Yes, sir. Right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that, Greg. So let me just ask you this. So did you have any other closing comments you wanted to make to, to our listeners, to anybody that might be struggling with with alcohol, with with addiction. Is there anything you would like to say, I guess, Greg? Please don't give up. 
I have seen too many people fall by the wayside who are never coming back, who had a lot to offer, a lot to yeah. give. Even at its worst, believe me when I tell you, God can save you. Amen. If it's happened to me, it can happen for you. This time last year, if you would have told me I'd be here speaking to you, Greg, I would tell you that it's impossible. It's mm -hmm. only by God's grace that I am here, Amen. and I am incredibly thankful. So please don't ever give up. Amen. Um, there are people. Uh, reach out. Reach just, out for help. It's better on the other side. I like that. <laughs> it's better on the other side. All right. Well, let me just make a few closing comments here myself then, Greg. So if you are listening here and you heard Greg K. talk about being a raging alcoholic, but yet he also described that with God in his life, everything is different. Everything has changed. And so wherever you are at in recovery, I, I encourage you to bring God into your life. Don't let your don't let your past life dictate your future. Your future can be dramatically different than your past when you bring God into your life. You may be stuck in your addiction as a raging alcoholic or a raging addict, but recovery is absolutely possible when you bring God into your life. Greg, thank you very much for joining me and joining us today, and I appreciate you so, so very much. What a privilege, Greg. I, I am honored to be here, and uh, I feel purged. I feel good to get a lot of this out and pray that it helps somebody else because that's what it's all about. Amen. That's what it's all about. Well, so that's what I have for you today. Thank you all very much for joining us today on the Hope Recovery Podcast. And remember, there is always hope with God. Take care and God bless you all.